is a complete free fall. There's nothing happening here other than gravity. There's no parachute, there's no fire department at the bottom, just an unstoppable plunge. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that I hope you'll also check out. Guardians 10, Pirates 1. That's now a cumulative score of 21 to 1 the first two games of this series. I'll be dragging myself over to the series finale this afternoon. That's a 12.35 p.m. first pitch because it's my job. If you go, it's on you. It's not like you haven't had fair warning. It's not like you haven't seen for yourself that even the call-up of a couple of exciting prospects, Andy Rodriguez, Leo Verpaguero, it's had no impact whatsoever. Those two last night combined to go 0 for 6 with 6 Ks between them. Nick Gonzalez is slowing down. Henry Davis is still having some good plate appearances, but as we've been saying from the very beginning, Henry's not going to be able to do this by himself. Mitch Keller, of all people, struggled immensely. Gave up eight runs over six innings. Surprised he made it to six, given the fact that five of those runs came in the first inning. He was none too pleased with himself either. Um, I mean, honestly, I haven't gone back and looked at it, but uh, just felt like they were swinging early uh, on pretty much everything. I mean, I don't know. I'm about to go back and look at it, but uh, yeah, I just felt like they were on everything and uh, yeah, wicked swings on some pitches, and I didn't. Could have probably executed a little bit more, but um, yeah, just I don't know. <laughs> nothing, nothing is stopping this. There isn't a speech to be had. There isn't some leadership to be found, a magic wand. There isn't anything coming from Derek Shelton or his woebegone coaching staff. There isn't anything coming from Ben Charrington other than the really weird continuing, including again yesterday, pronouncements that he's still open-minded about what he'll do at the trade deadline. Yes, because we're all stupid. But amid all that, I think it's important to underscore that one thing that really should have been something that you could bank on no pun intended, for the 2023 season was Brian Reynolds' performance. Especially, especially after the franchise went so far above and beyond its own norms to ensure that he remains in Pittsburgh throughout his career, signing him to the first ever in Pittsburgh nine-figure baseball contract. And what he's done since then, while I will fairly but parenthetically mention that he's played through a back issue, is very, very, very little. Reynolds' overall stats are about as vanilla as vanilla gets. He's a two fifty eight hitter. He's got nine home runs, 43 RBIs. There's 
Nothing really happening there. Five of those nine home runs were hit in the opening week of the season, contributing immensely to the public clamor to get him signed. And there have only been four since then. In this month alone, just in July, Reynolds is a 154 hitter. He's eight for 52 at the plate with one home run. I don't care that he spent the offseason working with Andy Haynes, and he did. I don't care that he might have been or might not have been whatever responsible for the terrific spring training that he had that led into that explosive opening week. I don't care if Haynes is, in fact, as I believe, the worst hitting coach I've ever seen in terms of impact on the rest of the roster, there's nowhere to run or hide for the individual athlete from this scenario. You guys have been listening to this show for a while. You know how I feel about Reynolds, the person, and about Reynolds, the player. And I can tell you that he's he's off. Okay, he's off on the field. He's off off the field. There's something that's just not there. I'm going to give you a case in point from the game last night. He went 0 for 4. And you can just look at that as what it is and say, that's not good enough. But there's stuff within it that matters too. His last at bat, eighth inning, he comes up and does the Andy Haynes thing, watches the first three pitches go by. Never, I, right? For the purposes of this argument, I don't care if they're balls or strikes, okay? Just hear me out. He watches the first three pitches go by. And if you look at his body language, one of the things that good hitting coaches teach hitters is to always be ready to hit. Always have your body cocked and loaded, you know? You should have a big swing in you with every pitch. Go watch that plate appearance last night, and you will not see that in those first three pitches. Why? He's trying to walk, because that's what Haynes pounds into these guys. But leaving Haynes out of this, because Reynolds is his own guy, right? Mr. Independent, all that other stuff that we were talking about during the contract negotiation. Okay, watch as three of them go by, and it ends up being a 2-1 count. He then gets grooved, and I mean grooved, two pitches. Bear in mind, the score's 10-1. to 1. The dude on the, on the hill for Cleveland couldn't care less if Reynolds hits the ball to Stanwick Street, right? He just lays him in there. First one goes right into the middle square of the grid. Reynolds fouls it off. Next one, even more just absolutely dead red. And Reynolds bounces it up the first base chalk. First baseman makes a play on it, runs to first base. That's not on anybody else. Right there, what I just described. The first three pitches, I could pin on Haynes. After that, it's on Reynolds. His timing's off. His energy's off. His focus is off. And whatever it is, including the possibility of lingering injury, This team can't afford this. Not 
this year and not for any of the gazillion remaining years on that contract that everyone, including Brian Reynolds, wanted so badly. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door, your car, your bike, your computer, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from Katie. She says, DK, does this owner hate Pittsburgh? Does he want to move this team? Why is he doing this to our team? This was a proud baseball town. Please just take the team and leave or something. I am a sick Pirates fan. Katie, believe it or not, I don't know that this thing that you sent me last night even cracks the top 10 of the most emotional responses that I received just within the last 24 hours. This fan base is in a bad way. This fan base is reacting much, much, much worse in my eyes. Okay. I'm not the ultimate barometer of this or whatever. So I'm just sharing my own view than anything that we saw 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, and really even early this season. Because the one thing that you couldn't really comfortably do after the 20 and 8 start was rule them out, even after that early May offensive slump or that early June offensive slump. Notice the pattern here where the slumping starts. Because you could still look at this god awful division and say all they need to do is win a handful of games but they don't and they just keep free falling now you're going to bring up the owner and the owner is always fair game because every buck stops with bob nutting (laughs) no pun intended on that one either okay but he's ultimately the guy who is responsible for the people who are running the show on the business end and on the baseball end. And he's responsible for a lot more within that than just payroll. I know everybody focuses on payroll and it's not high enough, but the truth is it's already a lot higher than most people thought it was going to be in 2023. If you'll recall back over the winter, and this was mostly on radio talk shows, which was just, 
nonsense. And I'm not talking about the callers. I'm talking about the hosts saying the Pirates were going to have some $40 million payroll or whatever. Well, the Pirates payroll right now is at $80 million. Is that high enough? No. Is it double that amount? Yes. So this really isn't a payroll issue. And I didn't hear anybody talking about payroll in April either. This is way, 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 way more about what I've been pounding here, Kate, for a while now, for two years. And that is that these guys, beginning with Charrington, but also including Derek Shelton, don't feel that urgency to win. They never, ever feel like anything's got to happen now. And do you know who's responsible for that? Yes, that is on the owner. That is on the owner. That's a valid criticism and a blistering criticism, if I do say so, of the owner. Way, way, way worse than anything related to payroll. It's just that payroll is all you hear on the talk shows and social media because it's just the lowest common denominator, hanging fruit, whatever it is that you want to call it. But it's not the greatest of Nutting's grievances. It never has been. He has hired poorly. He has delegated excessively. And he's never, ever, ever stepped in and said, guys, what in the hell is going on here? What are we going to do about this? Why is it that this team can't hit? I'm not a baseball guy. I'm a newspaper magnet slash inheritor of whatever he would put down on his business card is. But... I can tell when a team can't hit across the board. What are we doing here? I, generally speaking, don't want my owners involved. I don't want them involved with the Steelers. And unless it was Mario Lemieux, I didn't want them involved with the Penguins. But in this case, you got to do something. You know? This is where the biggest difference is. I know there's a lot of talk about, again, you know, how the Steelers and Penguins benefit from the salary cap, and they absolutely do. So it's easy for fans of the Steelers and Pirates, presuming you're one of those strange people that likes one and doesn't like the other, but okay, you know, same first name, same colors across the board, but whatever. If you look at those teams and say, well, they have all these advantages because of the cap and whatever, that's not really it. Because the other teams in their leagues are operating under a cap, too. What separates them, what makes them winners, for the most part, not always, they've both had a couple of rougher years of late, is that there's always that feeling of pressure that comes from above, that this What's happening right now isn't acceptable, and that does not exist at 115 Federal. And that is the fault of the owner. And no, he's not trying to move them or whatever else. They're not ever leaving Pittsburgh. Knock that thought a zillion miles out of your head. But the lack of passion for winning from the top is just a fatal flaw in this entire process. 
I appreciate the question, Kate. I appreciate what you had behind it. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Pirates. Again, I'm heading over to the ballpark this afternoon. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Let's hook up again tomorrow.